if you had to pick a lucky number, eight is the one. Why is it eight? I don't know. Oh, well, um, when I was a small child, um, I went to a race with my dad, uh, like a like a demolition derby type race. You know, with no like those kidding. Old stock cars. Yeah. It, it wasn't a demo derby, but it was like a you know they go around the track, but they're all beat up cars, right? And one of them flipped. And I'll never forget, he was spinning around upside down on his on the hood of his car because they'd hit him after he, after he was flipped over, which was pretty messed up. And um, he was fine and everything, but it was still number eight, you know, even though it was upside down. So I always thought of that. It was like a cool number. That's not very lucky. What do you mean? That sounds like unlucky number eight. That dude got flipped over and then got hit and was spun around in the car. He got up. He was all right. All right. Okay. Well, then it's okay. So he he was lucky the inside luck, yeah, number eight. Like, the luck was that is true though. It is it is it is one of the symmetrical numbers. It's like the infinity symbol, which is weird that they chose you know that for number eight. Like huh. who, who got to decide that? The Greeks, right? Is it the Greeks who who, came who gets to pick the things? What would the, what would be better for the infinity symbol? No, I mean that's I couldn't think of one. <laughs> so that's probably why. That, yeah, I, no, neither could the rest of humanity. Not a chance, um, dude. I've got to make some corrections from previous episodes because I have said stupid things. Corrections department. Corrections department. I, we can't keep calling it that. That's a, that's used. It's know, taken. But anyways, the first one. I don't know how many there are. I think they're probably all my fault. Let's just make that assumption right now. But this one is extra uh, sort of painful for me in that it's about Les Pauls. And I was like, I'm this Les Paul expert guy. And you were right. I was wrong. You mean when you admitted that you were a Les Paul expert on, on the podcast? I was wrong. And you were right. Thanks. Oh, hey, I only know this because Joe Perry said it himself exactly right and then yeah so and of course and i went and looked. Believe Joe Perry? we didn't even correct it it's because i'm so embarrassed we didn't even actually see what the correction was you were talking about the les paul and that joe perry thing and that it was the les paul access and how it was a thinner body and i was like nah dog like no way it's and the it, joe perry signature gold top les paul access right? it's access. a version of the a-x-c-e-s-s access les paul yeah. which is a thing it's all his version is is just one pickup yeah and, and it I think they usually have a Floyd anyways. Or, or no, his doesn't have a Floyd. It's a different kind of like whammy bar situ- yeah, situation it looks on like there. Yeah, like a Floyd. It's right. like one of those, yeah. Caller or Wilkinson, yeah, I don't remember. But anyways, it is thinner. You were right. Oh, I was wrong. That's all right, man. All of the Les Paul Access models are thinner. Um, including there's actually a new one that was just announced like yesterday or the day before some guy I've never heard of in my life got a signature Les Paul access. Have you ever owned a thin line Les Paul? Like do you No. <laughs> never. Like a, that's that not a, like, that's not like a common is thing. Is that to just ask a question like that? Like I mean it's it's fine if that's what yeah. you want but I played I, one once at a pawn shop and I thought it was kind of cool. But it was they was out of like some other shitty guitars so, you know. Yeah. Well the Melody Maker's a thin body, isn't it? I know Johnny, I, but that's not a Les Paul. That's like, that's like a that's not a carved top gu- right. guitar. That's okay. that's not a Les Paul. That's okay. that's a slab body sort of situation where it's just flat and one piece hunk of wood. But you like those? Oh hell yeah! Oh, okay. But that's not a Les Paul. That's not right. what I think. So of, you're yeah. saying it kind of takes away like the actual inherent qualities of the Les Paul? Sure. But yeah, I hadn't I hadn't quite it. I guess uh, I hadn't quite intellectualized it like you just did, but I think you're right. It was a cool guitar, though. I mean, the the gold top with the relicking and uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it except the fact that it was eight thousand dollars or something, something ridiculous. Wrong with it. <laughs> I mean, the, well, that's if you want a signature. I think it's the low low price of like forty seven hundred dollars if you don't. Oh, that's it. Cool. Yeah, I think want. the regular access is like four grand. 
Really? Yeah. See, that's a little crazy. I mean, you're getting less wood, so, you know. It should cost less. There's less <laughs> material because everyone knows it's like an extra thousand dollars of yeah. wood on the back of that guitar Dude, that's right why there. People charge more for like triple extra large shirts. You know, that's a lot more material. <laughs> it's way more material. Yeah, man. I got. I have this like uh, person in my family who remain remain nameless, but he likes to wear big clothes like on purpose. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, go get me like a two XL." And I'm like, "Man, you're like a medium." <laughs> Get yourself an extra medium. So I was like, well, it was twenty four ninety nine instead of nineteen ninety nine. It was bullshit. Dude, double extra medium. No, so I'm I am. Fan. Uh, so that's one. That's okay. one correction. Another one was we 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 demystified the pronunciation of that term used for acoustic guitar pickups and many other types of things. And I and I beefed that. I beefed the beef. On a correction, we beefed it. We need to correct a correction. So once and for all, how's it pronounced? Piezo. 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 So I, I was saying piazzo, but it's piezo. Wow. Like the letter A. I, I, yeah. Again, so confidently. But I think if you weren't confident, we wouldn't have a, a podcast, you know? So it's good. You gotta that's, be you, I mean, man. that's the American way. You got to double down. You got to be you sometimes. Dude, I had, uh, I had an annoying thing that I had to deal with for the first time ever on a Les Paul. Speaking of all this Les Paul talk. What's that? My... I had to I had to replace the bridge. Oh, I saw that. Um, so it bent the metal on the Dude, tailpiece bent the whole the whole tailpiece. So you picture picture a, a, a flat piece of metal where it's it, it almost sort of looks like a, a bridge, hence the name. Right. Where when you look at it from the side, the cross section of it, the top is flat, and then there's an a, a, an arc mm-hmm. underneath it that ostensibly supports it that's like a you know it's a it's a that is that is when i stumble stumble over my words a little more that is a a a product of physics right right well so i went i started playing i started playing my last paul and in the what is typically the third or d string on a guitar was buzzing and being weird and i was like that's this guitar's never had setup issues or anything mm-hmm. so i was like i'll just put some new strings on there and when i took the bridge off i was when i actually saw what was going on and uh in, instead of the top part being flat and the bottom part being the arc it had essentially reversed oh, in wow. fact the bridge is sitting right over there if you want to see it uh it the top part is now arced down and the bottom is flat i saw it uh, yeah the other day it was the wing it's like the little wings folded the other direction exactly almost. yeah that's crazy which uh, Does it, is it lo common? and behold is an issue having done now done some research yeah. is an issue that happens with les paul's particular players like myself who like heavier strings mm-hmm. uh it's sometimes that whatever 180 plus pounds of force that's getting exerted on that bridge just uh it's too much and uh I mean, it, I, I don't believe that that bridge was original to that guitar. And looking at it, I think it might have already been replaced at one point because it is, you know, from the 70s. But yeah, the, the bridge was from the 70s, though, right? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't. It's really hard to to know for sure. But there are a couple different. Uh, historically, I think there have been two different plating companies used to plate the bridge materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the one that I have is, let me think about this, API mm-hmm. is the name of the company, which I didn't know anything about this. But anyways, this is a common issue. This has happened. One thing that people do, and here's a little tip if you are experiencing this, is, this is a, one of the reasons people do the wraparound style on the tailpiece instead yeah, of like I, stringing it from the back. Yeah, I had a guitar like that. That's a really cool. Um, and you can do that with any tailpiece. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you just instead of feeding it through the back, you feed it what would be the front then 
background back through around. the back and then over the top. And you said that would actually give you like a little more of like a, a break angle at the. It, dec- it actually decreases, decreases the break angle, break which angle. in turn decreases the, the force and you might have, have less than an issue. So I, you know, wound up having to buy a, it, that is actually another, I think it was, I think it was from the seventies Gibson bridge that I got on reverb for, for pretty sweet price. A dude nice. was willing to haggle and we talked and stuff, but sounds good. Yeah. It's actually never sounded better. Yeah. New bridge will really do wonders. I mean, um, a lot of people do them just as upgrades. So in a way you kind of did an upgrade that you didn't really know you were going to do. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do. I, I mean, I think, I think it was the same bridge, but regardless, it could be the fact that I gave the, the truss a little adjustment to give it a little bit more of a relief. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know it, it all. It just, it sounds, it feels great right now. I mean, I actually brought it in the space and I think that day you, and I played together. Her. That was the day that we went in the space with Johnny actually. Oh, that night. Yeah. It was that, that was the day that I had done all that set up on it. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess was, that was a week ago then. Huh? Mm-hmm. So I've had it for a week now. One so that's week. neat. It's, so yeah, well, it's all played in. It's all broken in now. Less so. Paul bridge collapse. That's it. We, uh, we've got a little bit of news in the guitar world. We've got a lot of bit of news in the guitar world right on. now. Wow. I know a lot of, it's just, it's almost like, uh, there's a reason so many people do podcasts because there's just like a bunch of stuff that happens for, that you can talk about. How do you feel about, how do you feel about, I don't even know if they do it on TV. I'd say like YouTube shows or podcasts where they just, they just talk about other people's stuff like they'll be like here's here's this article that came out about 12 things doing this and then we're just gonna like expound upon that how do you feel about that I, um i think it's i think it's cool to have topics you know to visit but i think going on tangents and telling stories and all that like going off topic and not having a producer to stand there and go whoa you guys are going off topic mm-hmm. what's going on like i think it's really important for not only podcasting but communication in general i think short form interviews and news shows i think a lot of that stuff is going to really really start to fall by the wayside it's going to fall by the wayside yeah. wow yeah I do. interesting mm-hmm. bold predictions first hashtag prediction hunks <laughs> nostradama hunks taking some chances today on this beautiful friday hunkstradamus over here Ooh, that would be a badass hunkstradamus mc name write it down i love it or, we, or just say it into a podcast just say we, we gotta record that somehow <laughs> if only someone would invent the technology <laughs> if only we had the technologies so dude i think the biggest thing that i want to talk about news wise yeah i know you been- david gilmore's guitar collection everybody in guitar Man. world get crazy about it it's crazy. we were talking about this when did we go to that guitar show a few weeks ago um, almost a month ago yeah. probably now we were talking about who, it can, then, so- who could even tell I, it's been it's just all the days kind of meld together but when they're um, this great i mean i've got to say friday just super stoked to be cast in the pod oh man you no know looking forward to it we just we just recorded some vox yeah for our track viewers we'll get back, we'll to, get that back to that foreshadowing yeah. not just at home recordings also at practice space recordings That's right. well yeah but which i would still consider like a you know a diy sort of recording scenario Agreed. We did, we did a really uh, low budget, really cool. Well, um, well, that's debatable. Well, mid budget. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how long you spread the budget across buying things. That's that's true. Anyways, David Gilmore's guitar collection. Let's talk about it, man, dude. So what are breaking the top? records, doing the dang thing. Let's talk about the top guitars that sold. Shatters, shatters auction records. records. Now, before we go into the new record. Do you know what the old record was and what guitar it was? Oh, I should have. I, I did. Do you? No. Oh, it's got to be like a. Jimmy I think Hendrix it. I think it was from the Clapton auction. Okay. 
but I'm not sure. Do we have any idea what like the amount might have been? I mean, because I, I would let's say, build like, up. Let's build up to the big one. Because well, no. there was a lot of a lot of crazy things, like one of his lap right. steel guitars that was. Granted, they had the auction estimates very low, right? But they had it at two thousand dollars, and a lap steel went for three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, lap steel guitar, tree hundies, dude. Charity though, it's awesome. Awesome. All for that's, charity. That's amazing. That's I, cool. I can't even believe well, it. That's it's his really stuff. Amazing. He didn't have to do it. People got upset about it. The internet likes to get upset about things. The internet things. likes to get upset about things. I try not to read it, but it's really good entertainment. Dude, I think what did you, did you let's not let's not get to the the biggest one yet, but yeah. did you of the other guitars did you have a favorite? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Which one? Um, I mean, you know me, I'm a vintage Fender guy. Which is Can we even talk about it yet? The or are you talking about the 54? The first one? Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, for sure. So is that is it actually the first? There that's, de- that's debatable it's prototypes right i read a lot about that guitar uh after it was sold and actually before what? it was sold 1954 strat stratocat fender stratocaster in white with gold hardware in really amazing condition beautiful too. condition the guitar that guitar plugged direct into the mixing board was the guitar sound in another brick in the wall part two that wow. that's that guitar definitely no amp nothing that's that guitar wow so Serial number 0001. Now, there is some debate. There is very little accurate record keeping from back then. That guitar was at one point owned by Seymour Duncan, mm-hmm. purportedly sold to a couple of different people throughout the years. This is also all under debate. There, there is some conjecture that even though this is a, a 54, or quote unquote a 54, that it was actually different parts from like the late 60s. And But then other people have said that... the the neck is definitely original so anyways it almost doesn't matter because that's what it is believed to be it's and it just sold for 1.1 or just under 1.1 1. 1 million dollars 1.1 million million dollars million dollars 54 strat in the in that you couldn't give one of those away in the 80s that's not true you put you probably could have had that guitar for a couple grand in the 80s yeah maybe a couple grand maybe um my favorite yeah on the other hand was that and i think we actually we've actually even we might have talked about this on the podcast his 1969 martin d35 mm-hmm. that he bought outside of manny's and i think we've told the story uh that sold for also like about 1.1 million dollars that's amazing but that's a that guitar on, he uh, wish you were here or um, it's he's he's written pretty much everything on that guitar wow. you know but it's been on recordings too right? oh absolutely yeah. he's he uses a lot that and another 12 string but it's um, just been around that's the one that he's that's just been his guitar so, man, a guitar like that that's just traveled everywhere with you and we talked about this a little bit but you know it's great that he auctioned it for charity and they made that much money sentimentally he did he didn't keep anything he really didn't and that's what he said he's like because even you know obviously the one that the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about yet there was that guitar and then there was the i think 82 strat the red one Mm -hmm. and that sold he sold that one too like i don't even remember that was over two million i think or maybe close to two and a half it was it was a lot of money wow but then the big the big kahuna the big one breaking the record for the most expensive guitar ever sold at auction was his 1969 black strat i think the 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 black strat or the black one whatever they call it uh just just was what i think 3.975 million dollars almost four million basically four million dollars right i wonder i wonder how much taxes you have to pay on that well there's an auction fee for sure right 
and then yeah i'm sure there's taxes too and which is you know it's going to charity so maybe they can write that off four million dollars i mean i you know look we we talk a lot on this podcast and and i'm kind of the i'm a little bit of the hater when it comes to being like oh this guy's got a 65 strat and he thinks he's gonna get twenty thousand dollars for it and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of like i think a guitar is only worth so much i i'm thinking about iconic guitars i'm thinking about really iconic guitars and i'm thinking about I'm thinking about Pink Floyd and I'm thinking about David Gilmore. There are definitely way more famous guitarists out there. I'm not saying Pink Floyd it wasn't noted for their guitar. Who do you think is the most famous? Like, like guitarist. a Jimi Hendrix guitar would have to go for more than that, right? They they haven't. Right, that's what I'm saying. So that's really interesting to me. So either the market's going crazy mm-hmm. or Pink Floyd is just way more popular than I ever thought. It, it stands to reason that the people that would have enough money to spend that on David Gilmore's guitar are of the right age right now to have that money. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it wasn't that surprising to me, but also just, I mean, it's staggering when, when you really think about it for a guitar that's really, let's be honest, that's not, no one's going to play that guitar ever again. Like that you're buying that to go in a museum or well, something. Well, yeah, I was going to say, do you like think when Paul Allen bought Jimi Hendrix's stuff yeah. and would had that, had that in his museum? I've been up, I mean, I've seen, I've been as clo- closer than I am to you to Hendrix's Woodstock strat just right. because of someone like Paul Allen. So it's amazing that I'm hoping that it becomes somehow part of, public but i don't i don't think i think all that stuff's private i don't well, they think they say anything about it's up who to actually the buyer purchases. if they want to disclose yeah. whether or not they actually want their name out there um but that being said i wouldn't be surprised if it was you know a museum or some kind of hall of fame that bought it i mean they they have more money than that you know so mm-hmm. dude there was also a 55 gold top wow that was like almost five hundred thousand dollars it's not a bad uh, deal. Yeah, which I mean, heck, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Oh heck, there are oh, there heck. are bursts that aren't owned by famous people that go for, you know, that much or way more. Right. Um, that did you see the white penguin? That old Gretsch. That yeah. thing. That thing That's was one of my super guitars. cool. They're super cool. Yeah. And then a couple other acoustics. Oh, yeah, that's right. The uh, acoustic or the uh, lap steel that I mentioned was a 1974 Jidson. Okay. I'm guessing that's a good lap steel brand. I don't know. I don't know either. I have no idea. But so how do you feel? I mean, do you, you, are you, are you, uh, are you on board with selling someone, someone selling guitars like that? Yeah. I mean, obviously like for charity, you know, that's awesome. I I know. Now. It's amazing. and I'm sure the prices went higher because it was charity. I think that's a really important thing to note. I, oh, that's that's interesting. I wonder, yeah, if, like I, if I, you, I, Eric Clapton must he must have done his for charity too, right? Well, I don't know. I'm I don't have no idea. I couldn't speak on that, but I'm pretty sure he would have. Let's, so I'm, let's I'm just, say he did sell it privately, and he was just going to keep. It would have been less. Yeah, it would have been way less, uh-huh. right? I mean, to me, like it kind of goes back to what I was saying, like. There's a there's a point where something is expensive, but then four million dollars expensive is why not two million? You know what I mean? Like that's what's inc- that's what's crazy about. And, that. Let, and let's be honest, it, you know, if you're buying a four million dollar guitar, you have accountants smart enough to know how to write that off as a charitable cause exemption, blah oh, de blah yeah, de blue, and that you can still you know. I bet you it'll show up pretty soon about who bought it and where it's going to be and i'm sure it's going to be available to see i mean for that much money and for it being the record setting guitar you'd think that would happen it'd be so funny if like just some millionaire kid bought it like some like like instagram kid and then he was just like oh yeah and he's just going to keep it in his basement and like play it 
some Instagram kid. That would be that'd be hilarious, awesome. dude. Like some twenty three year old kid. Oh man, I hope so. It'd be cool if, if he posts videos of playing it. Then I'm like, hey, respect, man. If you had the opportunity, okay. Yeah, actually, I'm not going to use this guitar. I'm going to broaden it a little bit. Say there's actually. Let me ask you a question. Is there who's your favorite bass player of all time? Oh wow, um, probably John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Okay, great, perfect. If you had the opportunity to pick up and play one of John Paul Jones's instruments, mm-hmm. say for like a half hour or something. How much would you pay for that experience? Oh, that's a cool question. That's kind of like they take, you can rent a Ferrari and take it around the track a few times. Yeah, but John Paul Jones is whatever his P-Bass or jazz, whatever it is you want to his that you want to play. Wow. Um, That's really cool. That's a good question. I mean, right now I'm broke, so I wouldn't pay anything to do it. But um, let's say I had, you know. This is all pure theory. Speculation. Okay, how much would I pay? Um, Money is no object in your current lives. For a half hour? Hour. Let's say an hour. A thousand every half hour. Let's say they give you a <laughs> There's deal. no proration going on. Fifteen hundred for fifteen hundreds for two hours. Or a thousand an hour. Or I mean, thousand and a half. Wait. You're you're just, you're up in the price on yourself. You're negotiating no, no, against said, yourself right I now. I said fifteen hundred for one hour. Right. Okay. So yeah, let's, thousand let's, an hour. Let's call that. Or a thousand and a half hour. Fifteen hundred. They for, give you a good deal if you sign up for the full okay. hour. Okay. Huh. Now that's you know assuming like I just had fifteen hundred bucks of course. to throw down. Sure. But yeah, man, to put your hands on something like that, I mean, it's really weird. It it you know what it couldn't be though. It couldn't be a weird situation where you're in this like type of thing where there's like um, security guards standing around you and you're in like a glass vault, and you know because that wouldn't be a fun totally. way to spend your hour. You'd want I'd, I'd bring you. I'd probably bring you know our buddy who was playing drums the other night. Like have everybody come and be like. Can we? Is there a room where we can jam? Old group rate. <laughs> Think about it, man. And we can pass Gang it bang that shit. Why not? You know. I feel they, you. They let you have a private room in like a strip club, so it's kind of break. So turn it the other way. I know this is killing me. Yeah, yeah, and then twisties. Oh, thanks. I should have had you do it where, um, like last time when you you sat me down and then you just said everything for me. <laughs> I put your bib on for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Just little technical difficulties in the podcast. Right, we are humans, ladies and gentlemen. But I was going to say, yeah, not sort of like, uh, not. No, you're not in a bank vault. Not like when at the, or even at the guitar show when I got to play that burst. Dude, everyone standing or, around. And, and it was like, like a little plankety plank amp where it was like, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't like gain, it's the, there was no gain whatsoever. It was right. like pretty quiet there, but there was a lot of people around a lot of noise and I was nervous and whatever. Yeah. It would have to be a pretty cushy scenario where you've got like some like sweet, like perfect, like whatever your favorite, maybe one of those wooden chairs back there, yeah. the old ones, like something nice that you like to sit on and play that you feel comfortable. They could do something like that. Like if you had a guy who was a collector, Obviously, it'd be different if they have a famous guitar there. But even like Chicago Music Exchange, they'll you know they'll shut down if you probably give them a certain amount of money. I'm sure they let you every wedding there if you wanted to give a certain amount of money. That's yeah, maybe I don't know. That that takes that's a huge amount of everything has a price. Well, yeah, I get, I'm sure, but man, you'd have that would have to be some serious money because you think about the amount of inventory in there, and if something got damaged or stolen, or the amount of things that you could. I mean, you could clean them out, clear them out, and that's the plan. That's a huge amount of risk. <laughs> Wow. Uh, heist hunks. Heist hunks. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I don't no, but I think that was a cool question, man. Uh, wait, can I ask you? Yeah. Um, what? Let me ask you the same question. Famous guitar. I forgot. What's the question? You asked me oh, what right. famous yeah, bass yeah. player, and I'll assume yours would be a guitar, not a bass. I'm going to uh, play famous sousaphone. Whose sousaphone was it? Mm, uh, that would be uh, the famous Hungarian Jan Grober. Oh, Jan Grober, yeah. He's Dees. Uh, favorite 
famous, if I could pick one guitar. Oh, who's your favorite guitar player? Uh, you asked me. I know, but and you were able to come out with that pretty quickly. Well, and it's not, I mean, there's never a top one, but you know, throw me, throw me one. I, but here's the thing: is I don't know. Like I, I'm thinking about like what guitar would I want to play, and I don't know if that is necessarily that I want to play. Like for instance, I couldn't say Hendrix because I'm not a fucking lefty, so like I can't pick up a Hendrix guitar and play. Mm. So I'm thinking, thinking about something that like I really want to play, okay. less than just like okay. the player. Now you know the question, so yeah, I guess. What do you mean? Now I know the question. Well, you asked me. You were like, well, "Who's your favorite bass player?" And then I like said, "Bam." I was just trying to get to the question. I was trying to get I to it. Know, I want to know yours. I didn't want to qualify it first. Oh man, favorite guitar player. Or yeah, whose guitar you would want to play for like a certain amount of time, and how much would you pay? I would. I, I would like to play. But that's the thing is, I would love to play a Hendrix Strat, but I'm not a lefty, so it's like this. This it kind of breaks my brain you a little have to bit. Pick a different person, then. I would like to play Jimmy Page's Ooh. Les Paul. I'd like to play the Dragon Telly of his, but I don't know that that would be. I would like to play John McLaughlin's Double Neck, the Gibson Double Neck that he used to play. John McLaughlin, sorry. You might as well take the Double Neck. It seems like more for your money. It's more bang for the buck, but they might charge more. Nah. They run a flat rate. He's a smart man. He he would know how to drive a hard bargain. That's true. Wow, I'm, this is really tough. I'm, I'm having a pretty hard time gonna, with this. I would like really, you know nothing. what? I I've got. I know what I, I want to do. I know what I want to do. You were thinking in your head as you asked me what you already made. Not at all. Wow, that's cool. I'm so selfless. That's genuine uh, uh, interviews. As empathy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I just re- I figured it out. Okay, what do we got? I want to play. Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstein. Wow. No the shit. The first one. That's a good call for you, man, because you can, I feel like you'd really get a hold of that thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that's a lot of pressure, and I'm not a Floyd way, Rose player. you a nice rig and all that, you know, it's it's not going to have just like, you're not going to plug it into like a wall or something. I would be happy to plug it into a Kemper, but that said, my, I would prefer yeah. like a... I mean, for the price, they're going to have an array Bogner, of things you can choose from. Yeah. Or Dumble, perhaps. Somebody could totally open a thing like that, though. I mean, you would have to have a lot of really, dude. You really can cool kind of do that as it is at Chicago Music Exchange. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're going to let you bust out the burst in there, but right. you can take pretty much anything and plug, go into one of the rooms that have ridiculous amps yeah. and play some cool stuff. And I have, and I have taken advantage of that thanks to their generosity in the past. Yeah, yeah. I've, so yeah, Van Halen's Frankenstein. That's a good answer. That's a really good answer. No, I, I really feel like there's play a lot it. you could do with that thing. And yeah. it's just one humbucker and a volume knob. And one knob. That's the and best part. Triple single coil pickups and a whammy bar. Dude, would you um, would you spend your time trying to like, or would you learn Halen covers like going before you went in? Let me let me cut you right off. I, I already know Van Halen covers, okay. so I would absolutely play. Break it all. Out, break it all out. Every Van Halen like I have known, I know and have known and don't know anymore. Perfect. But then I would you know just try to do some general shredding. Um, we gotta bring your own stuff in too and see how your songs might sound throw it in throw it in my weird tuning and see what happens i don't know that would be weird like can can you mess with the setup of the of these famous guitars we're taking this no, thought experiment no, very far you here you can't tinker with it maybe they gotta tell you what they got a guy on site who will kind of tweak it for you if you want so what else we got oh i don't think we mentioned i was gonna say where this episode brought to it brought to brought to the world by high life High life. Champagne of beers. Champagne of beers. Dude, I have a weird thing. I totally, I honestly, I'm going to go, I'm I'm just going to make this declaration. I'm drawing a line in the sand. My favorite alcoholic beverage is champagne. Wow. Isn't that weird? You know what? I'm not I feel, gonna... I feel, 
I feel a little uncomfortable admitting that I'm to the world right now. I disagree with you, and I wish I would have known because I would have just, dude. It's, I mean, it would be cheap champagne, but I'll bring. But champagne see, then that's not really champagne. Oh, you like? Well, I get the stuff at CVS for like you know nine ninety nine. The sparkling white wine. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not. You get the brute. Extra I'm not. Dry. A, I'm not above just like a regular old bottle of bubbles. Well, how much is like a economy bottle of champagne? I mean, you're talking like twenty something, twenty five, oh, thirty okay. bucks. You know, depending. Um, but you know, I mean, I again, I like I like the sparkling white yeah. wine from time to time. I agree with you though. Um, I really like the buzz from champagne. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's about it. I, and, but also the taste is my favorite of oh, all okay. of all alcoholic beverages. Isn't that weird? I feel so yeah. honestly so weird and like bougie admitting that about me. But it's true. Like it's true. I've I've I, as far as I know, I've had like most alcoholic beverages there are to try. Right. The only one that I like really want to, I would like seek out to drink is champagne is it true it has to be from france mm. to be champagne is that it has to originate from the champagne region it's the only way right otherwise it's sparkling white wine that's right that's where that i i thought I, we got over to this again because i just previously quoted wayne's world and then now that is also discussed in wayne's world oh is it mm-hmm. hmm. yeah rob Lowe, he's a real dick there's a lot of little tidbits of good information in that movie dude wayne's world that didn't come up in rock and roll movies i don't know how definitely well, we fucking top bands. 10 for me yeah for it top maybe top five that might be an amend and i i would also say that we didn't mention um rockstar yeah i mean that movie's fine it's fun it's, it's a fun, fun. yeah it's fun i wouldn't say it's very good we were just saying our favorite wait is rockstar the donnie Wahlberg or mark Wahlberg yeah. one what's the tom cruise one there's a Tom Cruise rock movie where and it might even be a musical. It. Yeah, I never saw it. It's a musical. I, I don't know. If I I, I must have I must have seen of, it. Is it Rock of rock Ages? Rock of Ages. Thank you. I never saw it. I, I you know I have and I don't remember a thing about it. That I I kind of I kind of do love Tom Cruise. I think I might have even mentioned this. You know what else is actually pretty fun is, uh, I just thought of it. School of Rock was a great. School of Rock is top three for me. What do those kids say? Uh, what's a hangover? <laughs> he's like, I'm hungover. He's like, what's a hangover? Oh yeah. Are you drunk? No, it's what happens after you're drunk. Or something. Yeah, that was that was a real good butchering of the quote. Yeah, right. there. The funny thing is, I can quote that movie almost top oh, to bottom, well, and I don't I remember. I don't remember. I don't remember that line. You remember that part? He's no, like I do remember that. I do remember the part, but I can't. I can't so recall good. the line exactly. But that's. But dude, some of there. the original, the original stuff in there, when it's just like him sort of freeballing, like in the ancient time. There was a man who walked alone, and the writing was written on the stone. <laughs> that was a really good Jack Black, man. That was actually... And then he's, like, giving the kids directions. Dude, whatever. I'm not gonna, This isn't, quote, Jack Black cast. No, it's... Uh, if you want to do a Tenacious D episode, I'm all about it. Cause... You know, I actually started watching. He's got a new YouTube channel. Oh, yeah? Uh, which is ostensibly about gaming. It's called Jablinski Games. But I think most of the time it's not really about games. Like sometimes they go to arcades and do games and stuff. But like it's just also just him being funny and being on tour with the D and hanging out with Rage Love Cage and Cage man. It's it's a nice it's a nice throwback to me and the things I liked like 10, 15 years ago or whatever. It's fun nostalgia. Remember berries? Not fun. Got to bring up something not fun. Ooh, changing it. Gibson. Come on, dun, guys. Dun, dun, what is going on? 
Henry, what's going on with Gibbs? I'm going to let you fill in the listeners because you are the Gibson guy. Well, apparently not. You, you knew the access fact last week. Wow, that was because I, I just uh, I was reading Joe Perry's lips when he was talking about it. Dude. But talk to me about what, what happened with Gibson this week and why is this such a big deal? And can we go back a little bit? Can we rewind? Whoa, what's happening? Can rewind. We, can we rewind a little bit just to back to where like maybe they kind of started, I don't know, getting in trouble. All right. For the people who don't know anything about the Gibson world in the past, or, or at all, Gibson Guitars is a historic brand. They've been around for over 100 years. Amazing stuff. Always known for their great qualities. Right. And then at the dawn of the electric guitar, some would say that there's the fur, theirs was the first. There's a, some would say the Fender. There's a, there's a lot. What Anyways, they made amazing stuff. And then at a certain point, they were sold to Norlin. Who was like an umbrella company, and then they were, and then they were sold back to some other company, Baldwin, I believe. And there's been some questionable quality, we'll say, at different points throughout the years, but even recently, and and in the public eye, in the past, hmm, I don't know, we'll say ten years, there was a a perceived decline in quality, or maybe even more than ten years, and. I've played some new. I own a Les Paul from the mid 2000 or an SG from the last 2000s. Played many guitars that feel great. Some people say the quality, especially people who work on guitars a lot, say that the the overall quality, uh, I'd say the quality in manufacturing, the um, consistency has declined. Okay. Okay. Sort of like blanket ballpark so background. So, like most companies, they were awesome when they started and then they declined. And then they've had a sort of resurgence, and They're then still popular. and then okay, so maybe I don't remember the exact timeline. Maybe about a year ago, they got a new a new CEO. Right. The previous CEO, also named Henry. <clears throat> people didn't like this guy. He was what? kind of a dick, and in some ways, people blamed him for a lot of the things that went around. We were talking. Remember, I, well, the podcast listener won't remember, but we were just talking about those robot guitars when we were in the space with Jay mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah. Uh, oh, the robot tuners? People sort of blamed him for a lot of that stuff, doing all the weird robot-y, you know, the future tuners, stuff that nobody themselves. wanted. Exactly. Which all, was a kind of a fun idea, but... There was, good, there, there was a good idea there, but the, the execution was horrible. Yep. They tried to kind of, like, crap all over their past. And anyways, there was this new CEO. There was goodwill coming back towards the company again. And this past week, two things happened. One, they released a video. Uh, I should say Mark Agnesi, the... Uh, now I don't remember what his ridiculous title is now. He's director of brand experience or retention or something like that VP for Gibson, uh, who came from Norman's Rare Guitars. is a YouTube guy. People know him, like him, and he releases video. Good player releases video uh, through Gibson, saying essentially like, "Hey, look out! People that have made body shapes similar to ours were coming for you." Like we're gonna yeah. take you and, down, and we didn't get you didn't get to see it, did you? By the time I heard about it, didn't watch the video, was gonna go back and watch it. And it was already it, pulled by Gibson at that yeah, point. Yeah, it must have just been a couple hours. It was up or something. It there, was I think people have pulled hours. it. There are ways you can check it out if you really want to. Really, I've read a transcript of it. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, he. And, and actually saw some clips so it of it. was like he was threatening the community of people who make guitars that you know, look like I, I did see part of it, and, and he was kind of like saying it almost sort of jokingly, like, ha, 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 like, in like this funny, like, hey, like, we're like just protecting ourselves like you would, right, guys? Hey. Uh, hey. And then and then Gibson realized how tone deaf and, and ridiculous this was, pulled the video, and then the next day, it was announced that they have sued Dean Guitars 
an American company who's been making these models that they're in particular, particular that they're suing them over since 1977. 77. Now, come on, guys. Why are you be picking on Dean? What did, what did Dean do? You finally have developed some positive momentum in your fan base in the guitar world that you and I spent a lot of time paying attention to and participating in. Finally, finally getting some of that goodwill back. People are happy about the direction the, the company is going. And now all of a sudden you decide, hey, we're going to sue you over a guitar that you've been making for 40 years. Now, they're suing over a body shape. Which the is Flying V a, and the Explorer. Yeah, in specifically. Particular. And then the name Hummingbird, I think somebody must have used. I think that was a thing, yeah. Um, but the one that gets me is the headstock design. Oh, God. They're, they're suing over the headstock design, which does not look like their headstock design. They're going to lose. You can't There's no way. do that. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't look the same. You can't just put like a Toyota next to a Honda and be like, oh, that's the same car, man. So like four you know, wheels in a, in a yeah, and like steering wheel, weird headlights or something like you can't do that. Like that's not. So anyways, um, I don't know, man. It's well, the weird thing about it was they actually sent Dean a cease and desist letter back in 2017. Right. When they yep. were going through right before they declared bankruptcy. Right before Gibson declared bankruptcy. Right before right. Gibson declared bankruptcy, they sent Dean. So they already started shit with Dean like two years ago, basically. And it was during the tenure of the previous CEO. But I guess, it, so the way it went down, the owner of Dean, whose name escapes me, died. And then it wasn't until after that that they then decided to sue. I guess this had been something that had been brewing at Gibson, and then they decided to actually do it after the after the owner of Dean, I can't remember his name, died. Uh, then they sent the letter. Then I don't. I guess they just didn't respond until now or something. Is that the story? Well, a cease and desist means you're supposed to stop making that. So maybe they stopped production on brand new guitars. I, on guitars with that body shape, I actually didn't. It's just it. flying V and Explorer. It's not right. even like you think that line. that would be right. So you know but that's kind of the i don't know there's other people that make flying v guitars and, and we can go oh yeah that hole. i read in one of the articles it was they're like are you gonna go after the, the chinese that make all of these copies of everybody's guitar oh they do they do already and honestly i think there's so let me be clear i'm fully in favor and in support of protecting your trademark absolutely this is egregious and and also when you're talking about someone like gibson there are what are called chibsons that are just chinese gibson knockoffs where it's not a different company doing a take on it it is literally someone trying to fool a consumer into buying their product that says gibson on the headstock and that i fully support them going after these companies trying to shut them down because that is them that is a company actively trying to take money out of their pockets there is there's a difference between derivative works and copies now as far as copies go if it's a um I'm trying to think of like one of the brands that's like a new Chinese model, like um, like Agile or something like that. Sure, um, Agile or whatever. Agile, like, yeah. Okay, so uh, Fra- Fragile must be Italian. Fragile, yeah, exactly. Must um, be Italian because it definitely has. <laughs> <laughs> totally threw me off there. It has the same. It's so it literally from if you're in a crowd and that guy's on stage and you can't read the headstock, that's a Gibson Les Paul as far as you're concerned. Right, and that's and that's Sunburst and that's how that's how Fender was able to win their lawsuits in the past it was basically around that same argument. Right, and they based a lot of theirs on the headstock design. That's right. So, so I get that, but you're the, it's a slippery slope. And what if you've got bad vision? You know, I don't. Again, I right. It's complicated, and and I'm not going to say that 
they're fully wrong and everything, but it's still it's still kind of like it's a WTF, a bro. That's been established as like Dean since 1976 or 77. Why would you Why would you do that all now? You know what I mean? Like those guitars have been out forever. And it releases really weird, aggressive video of the dude wearing his leather jacket yeah, and like holding I mean, like, guitars. These are our iconic brands, and like this is these are our, our shapes. And if you like take if you use these shapes, we're gonna fight you on it. It's just like it's like a little yeah. late. To and be s- trying to do the cat's out of the bag on that. I saw that response video from that British fellow. Um, ah, yes. Now, what I what I liked about his that really that SG he had a he had a Gibson. It was a lawsuit seventies mm-hmm. um, SG style guitar. I don't know. I don't remember the brand, but he was playing it and that was great. And he's like, it sounds beautiful. All this stuff. He goes, hey Gibson, just make better guitars, and we won't have to resort to buying crappy guitars now you, I, that's, a, that's honestly like that's that. the main part of the video that i disagree with because right. the price point is you completely just, well, different economically not feasible like you're not going to make half a million guitars a year or whatever they make and make them like really expensive because nobody's going to freaking buy them right and and so then in order to get the cost down you use cheaper materials you right. have less experienced workers you pay your workers less so where do you draw the line with good quality versus bad quality and what to expect in like a, you know maybe a brand new gibson for instance you know, I well, I guess it's it's hard to say. In fact, I was actually just talking about this with my buddy Max the other day, and that like I very rarely buy new guitars, and I hadn't really thought about this. Like I very, it's only it's happened a few times in my life, and like even my my SG that I have, that was a new guitar. I was like twenty one, but that was a new guitar. I I just I'm not at a point where I like actively seek out new instruments. I kind of prefer old guitars. Right. But that said, I've played many new instruments and especially Fender and Gibson stuff. They're great. Like PRS guitars are awesome. They're just some of the best you can get your hands on, but you're going to pay for that quality too. I think for me, if you're talking about like import instruments, there's a lot that can be done with a good setup. So unless, unless you, you totally messed up the construction of the guitar and the geometry, you can usually make any guitar play pretty good with a fret dressing and and maybe you know intonation maybe maybe replacing the electronics so there's there is good value okay, in these see, overseas instruments and you're talking about a value guitar yeah i should have been more specific so let's say you're going to spend two thousand dollars on a you know is that around the price range of like let's say a 60 reissue like the one you played at um the booth the other day like that reissue guitar that les paul mm-hmm to buy the reissue of that, what's that, 2500 bucks? We'll, like we'll put, yeah, say let's three say, grand. So if you're going to spend that on, on a guitar, let's say it's newer, if it's not, mm-hmm. whatever, a custom shop, whatever you want to call it, what are you expecting? Like, I see a lot of guys, they spend money on stuff like this and they get really, really, really disappointed or they nitpick every little nick or every little sharp ed, fret edge. You know, where do you go as far as quality control and something like that? I get, if you're spending $3,000 on a guitar, there, it is reasonable right? to expect per, as close to perfection structurally. Yeah. Tone and and setup and and setup that stuff is subjective. Absolutely. So, I would I, I guess my response would be that if you've got three thousand to spend, then you should play a handful of different guitars and not just expect one to do everything that you want it to do. Maybe pick up a, a bunch of them and, and then if you've got three grand there, you've got a huge amount of options that you can pick from and, and just buy the one that you bond with. So are, are some of these guitars having issues? Like, I mean, you, and then, you know, go to go back to the guy who's like, Hey Gibson, just make a better guitar or whatever. Even if you buy the, let's say like the low level Gibson, you know, whatever the stand, I don't know what the studio, um, the studio model and what are they a thousand dollars or something? I think the Les Paul studios in the like seven to $800 range. So if I buy that, you know, Obviously, you know, I'm going to do a setup. I'm going to probably put new strings on it. it That's an American-made guitar, by the way. So is that that who he's talking about? Is that what's going on right now? I think he's complaining probably more about people who 
buy a $5,000 custom shop reissue right. and then bellyache about it on the internet. Right. Which I have, I have spoken <laughs> to techs and repairmen who have said, who have confirmed that newer Gibsons have to come in for repair for silly things more often mm-hmm. than perhaps the old ones did. Okay. But I, again, and each person's going to have different experience. I've played a lot of new Les Pauls and, and all different types of Gibson guitars. And I, and I've played a lot of great ones. I've never picked one up and I've just been like, this is horrible. Yeah. You like know, I, but I, I, I'm not, I don't have a hundred different Gibsons crossing my bench every week either. That's true. I mean, and that's, that's fair because if you have, let's say you have, um, you know, 90 great ones and 10 bad ones, the 10 bad ones are the ones that people are going to hear about on the internet. They're, Absolutely. they're the ones that the text talk about. That's right. Um, so I don't know. I'm not trying to like, I'm not defending Gibson and what they did. I'm, I'm playing a little devil's advocate because I don't think, you know, it's right to just be like, well, just make a, just make a better guitar. Cause like that's, you know, they're doing, I don't, I don't necessarily do agree with that argument. The they can. I, probably yeah they're like any business they're going to find ways to cut costs while maintaining quality right and and they probably have done and, and and i would and i would definitely say that they've done some stupid things in terms of the products that they've created and launched and the way that they've tried to increase prices on things and that's another thing there, there has been a lot of price increase they've they've dialed that back recently with the new line that came out this year in the past year or so uh but i i don't know i i'm uh, there's a reason I'm a fan of Gibson. Granted, like you, like you well know, I, if I if given my druthers, I'm gonna still buy an old one. Yeah, any Me day. Too. I mean, yeah, I think that's that's a given. So I don't know. It just it was it just came. It felt like it came out of nowhere yeah. that they're that they made this big statement and stink, and then and then go out of their way to actually file a suit. And then you actually sent me the article today that excuse my high life burp uh champagne of burps the uh dean responded yeah and uh, i love this man um, what they what, what's the deal well they're gonna defend this vigorously is vigorously I, I, I put a link in there if you do want to check it out but uh we don't look things up on this no podcast, we don't but sometimes uh, there's a link but, um, but i'm not gonna click no, it. no it's 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 kind of neat they're like they're like have at it man and you know what i was looking at First of all, somebody altered the image on one of the articles that was a Gibson V next to the Dean mm-hmm. V. Somebody altered it because they made the bottoms look exactly the same. They're not exactly the, the same. Exact model. I think it's the. Um, oh yeah, the I saw Gibson which is the with the outlines. Yep. And the other one's not symmetrical. Not no, as. they did a symmetrical one, but it was like the the sort of shape of the V was a little bit different, it's, and the headstock is definitely different. Well, for sure. But this is the thing: Gibson released the Flying V in 1958. Dean put theirs out in 1977. There have been many other companies that have put out flying V's and, and continue to put out flying V's. And but now all of a sudden they're just going to start doing that. Sounds like a money grab to me, man. I don't like it. Is it? Could it possibly? It could it possibly just be a, an attention grab? Do you that, think it's any publicity's good publicity? Is it? I hope not because it's That's a shame. It, that is definitely not good publicity in my eyes. And and I think every single person I've read talking about it in the internet's eyes. I feel like Gibson's in the news a lot. I just thought back to an article, and I, I didn't even bring this up earlier. Didn't they have the thing with the Brazilian rosewood back in like 2012 or something? They like got that? rated. They got rated for other like Cites, and, wood stuff, and, they, like, and a lot of companies and, got kind of yeah. slapped for that. But you didn't hear about it from for some reason. Yeah, Gibson, they just have that cultural cachet. I don't know Maybe what it that's is. Maybe what people like about them. They're like the the rebel in the motorcycle jacket. They're like the bad boy, but they're also Defenders like like your take home. They're also like the guy. like the number one or two biggest company. So it's like they're like the rebel, but also the man. And I don't know enough about their sales. I don't know if they've been like declining or anything like that. I don't either. I have no clue. Um, 
I don't know. Point is, Gibson, it was bad timing, I think, on your behalf to, to start this shit, but we'll see how it pans out. We'll see. So, dude, we've been doing some recording. This is exciting, man. I, I feel like to... this is this is very podcast-worthy material, so we might as well yeah. touch on it just for a bit. Let's talk about it, man. So, um... By the way, we're already almost an hour. Maybe we're getting our second episode in now, I guess. I don't know. Um, Let's talk about it. So we have a rehearsal space, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, that we share. And we've recently mic'd the entire thing up to record live drums, live bass, and live guitar. So, Henry, take it away a little bit. Tell us about the setup. Tell us about what's going on and, and what to look forward to. What to look forward I to? Know, I don't know. That's that's a little more a little more Hunkstradamus material right there. So I guess yeah, but we started off by just getting it all set up to to you've got your drum kit which we talked about in there. Uh, we've got a full array of mics all all around that. Um, I think I think we're uh, eight. Uh, yeah, we're running eight mics on that. Mm-hmm. We've got we we're doing. Um, Let's see. Should we do? You want me to go through the full? I don't know. Yeah, should we just, go through the full through rig? The, like kind of so, the, okay. The so, specs. on mics on the drum, on the drums, on the kick, we've got a D112 and then a, a Audio Technica tube mic. I think AT40 something, 4048 or something, something like that. Those overheads are cool. The overheads are uh, Bayer. They're vintage Bayer Dynamic M160s, but they're not actually made by Bayer. It was like another German company, mm-hmm. uh, Dynac cord or dynasonic or something like that too for the the plug it's not exactly yeah there's not a typical xlr connector on there those are awesome they're vintage rim mics uh as overheads uh on the snare we've actually got a 57 top and bottom oh we've Uh, got a bigger overhead too don't we in the middle so that there's a room mic uh and that's uh roswell audio like a sort of pretty affordable large diaphragm condenser uh in the style of a u87 over the top and then on the toms are just a couple different CAD dynamic mics that came from like a CAD kit, but they actually sound, those are definitely the most sort of like affordable mics on the kit and they mm-hmm. sound great. Um, really, really surprisingly good on those toms. And then on the guitar, we were running a, uh, an Audix i5 dynamic. And then, you know, honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head what the condenser was that yeah. we we're using. Cause that's Johnny's. That's two a, mics on the guitar though. Two mics on the guitar. Yeah. So that was a large diaphragm <laughs> condenser. It might be the SE electronics. Oh no, the SE electronics. That's the large diaphragm that's on your base. Oh yeah. That's a great, then this, this past time, what we added was also, then I ran direct DI from the bass and the guitar. So then we would have the dry, just direct guitar tracks mm-hmm. for reamping. Uh, so we we actually went in there with your band Hot Bloods well, and, we're and did some tracking. Well, um, uh, the interface. Right. So the the sort of computer side of things is the same interface that we're, we're using right now, uh, Universal Audio Apollo, uh, and then expanded with uh, some focus right a bunch of different preamps. Like actually, the there's pre, I think right? uh, there's an Octo Pre that we use for anything that doesn't need phantom power. Mm-hmm. And then, so that includes things all over the place, space. And then there's an, the uh, quad, the, the big red one, uh, Focusrite Quad 4, I think it might be called. I can't remember. Um, that is for anything that uses phantom power. There's also, there are some other mics that we haven't used in there. And then what we didn't use originally was the, we added the bottom uh, snare mic yeah. on the snare, which we didn't have at first. And that actually, 
I'm glad that we threw another 57 on there. Yeah, we met up with Johnny, on uh, who owns probably most of that gear, and we um, met up at the space last Friday, and we uh, we got together, and I, we started talking gear and, and setting stuff up, and we actually did one take, and you know we, we recorded everything live. It sounded great, but Henry thought, let's get two, uh, two mics on the snare drum, you know, and really get that thing popping. Yeah, exactly. The first time we were in there, we were just kind of, it was sort of proof of concept, make sure everything works, sounds all right, get levels kind of in the, in the right ballpark. There's a computer that lives in there that that's Johnny's. That's a Pro Tools setup uh, that lives in the sort of rig with, I've got my old monitors. I've got a pair of KRKs that were just in the closet. Those are sitting there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the way we have it set up is it, it the universal audio interface has two Thunderbolt cables. So one just stays plugged into the Mac Mini that's in there. And then the other one, I bring my MacBook Pro in that has all my setup mm-hmm. on, my, on my computer. And then we just plug straight in and it's like... It was... It was- virtually seamless yeah right? well all we really all we had to do is there's a front-end piece of software that you use called console um, that we had to copy the preset from Johnny's machine uh, on a thumbstick throw it on mine just so I had mm-hmm. access I had to rename some things and whatever yeah but it's uh, about as sort of painless and seamless as it could be and I'm pretty stoked about how awesome and easy it was to integrate that i mean it was it was really crazy man because you know i went i did a recording session on i guess it was tuesday and um you know you're paying money to be in a studio and then on friday i get a chance to go or on uh, wednesday actually the the next Next night, night i got a chance to go and do pretty much the same thing out of our own rehearsal space which first of all we're very fortunate nobody was playing next door or above us i mean that's the crapshoot right there like so you know it's gonna be tough to schedule uh tracking unless you can do it during the day when there's nobody ever in there during the day but if it's like pretty quiet yeah if it's like a if it's like a thursday evening it's gonna be rocking and rolling in there it was a wednesday night and we got super lucky we did there were some other people playing but it wasn't directly next to us or anything or above us it wasn't the metal band it wasn't that amazing super loud metal band they you know the, I gotta ask that guy what kind what kind of bass rig he's got going, man, because it's just skull crushingly loud. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, everybody wants to hear that. It's it's just a, his own personal ridiculous PA setup with like Dude, crossovers and eight power amps and and horns and tweeters. I guarantee he's got crossovers on that thing. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. You gotta. He's got the kicker. I'm gonna get some cro- crossovers going in the space. Well, oh, yeah, the whole thing will Remember be crossovers? rigged up. They used to be a thing like in your car. You'd be like, "Yo, dude, I got the kicker amps with the crossovers." <laughs> exactly. The that, and all that means is just like it it controls which part of the frequency yeah. you're you're sending to different speakers. So like, of course, that just means in cars people are throwing as much as they can as to the much sub as you can. 1200 watts, bro. <laughs> So that was it was it was great, man. We had um, we recorded six guys. tunes. We got six songs. And what is, what's your band? Uh, we're called Hot Bloods. Hot Bloods in Hot Blooded. Um, Chicken and see. Yeah, so you know it's just actually some buddies I play with, and we're just messing around. But we have what up, Char Dog? What up, Jay? What up, Char and Jay? We've got six songs, so that's cool. Um, well, actually, we, I created a file for a seventh, but then you, I, th- I believe, and I remember oh. the name of it because you have a Blood Brothers T-shirt on right now, and it, it was called Crimes. Crimes. Uh, but we did not uh, right. actually track that one. Yeah. And I think I lazily came up with the name because of that name of that oh. song. Love the Blood Brothers. I can tell by your attire. By my shirt. This is an old one, man. Yeah, it's this Burn is Piano, a, Alan Burn. Yes. Yeah, that's my shit. that's my fave. Uh, Blood it? Brothers. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. Well, that, I mean that whole record. But, yeah, it's so know. good. Cool talk. Cool talk. So yeah, we did live drums, bass, and guitar. Which that that 
is a fun way to record. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if your band is good enough and rehearsed enough, an easier way to record. But it also presents its own sort of inherent challenges and problems. Well, let's talk about that. Well, I, I, going through, and I've sent you mixes of the six tracks now. Going through them, there have been a few things that I've learned in that uh, isolation is going to be pretty key yeah. in there. Uh, have the proximity of the guitar amps to the drum kit, the dr- guitar amp to the drum kit, and those microphones is just a problem because it, you were getting a lot of drums in the guitar tracks, which limits what I can do. I, I, I with a bass, that's different because I as I sort of um demonstrated to you mm-hmm. i can i can i can kind of hop like lop that bass out of the guitar track and yeah. and and it doesn't do anything to the guitar signal right. however because the the drums the drum signals are the drum frequencies are in the same range as the guitar i just have to leave them in there and then it kind of limits what you can do with the mix it kind yeah. of limits how, how like impactful the guitars can sound what you can do with automation that sort of thing yeah i think i mean and we should probably preface um we were we were recording at like full it's basically full practice volume minus vocals oh it was super so loud it was super loud like my bass was just as loud as it is when i play and we have a a long narrow rehearsal space so it's not you know we're not in a circular room we're not in a big open room it's very everything's very close proximity i mean we were standing within three feet of each other all the guys mm-hmm. you know so um but it didn't feel it didn't feel even though we have a ton of mics up it did i didn't i, I noticed that it didn't feel too cramped no. or like um uncomfortable necessarily it was it was i mean yeah i had plenty of space to, yeah. you know i didn't feel cramped or anything and you were you were bopping around I and bopping dancing around. And i actually like to get closer to the guys when you're doing recording yeah. especially if if i'm not doing vocals and yeah. i'm kind of like mouthing the words and kind of trying to keep everybody like okay here's the verse and stuff like which we had to do for a few songs um it was cool to be like just a foot away from those guys to be like looking at each other and vibing and i think we got a really good uh, energy wise recording out of it and sound wise i'm really impressed man yeah i mean thanks i'm glad to hear you think so i i i agree that the songs are cool and i and i dig and i dig it it's hard for, i'm still like a little uh insecure about how it's sounding and stuff so I, there I, I think it's cool i really like it i'm glad that we did it and there's still room to go if we just track vocals for one of the songs before the podcast yeah that so said i i'm hearing frisky. now it's hard for me to not hear things that i want to do different or like throw some like actually that that foam stuff i want to throw some of that up in there to kind of kill some of the reflections right okay. off the top of the drum kit I, especially like there's that <clears throat> the uh um, they're like rafters up above it well directly above the drum kit is the loft oh, the and loft. Th- on the bottom of so the loft the ceiling actually above the drums i want to throw some of that absorption material in there to kind of deaden some of the ring mm-hmm. that's coming out um and maybe off to the side too but we'll see but anyways there i i'm I'm a little insecure about it. I have imposter syndrome. However, I, I know that it sounds good. I actually got to do a car test with it yesterday, and it sounded badass in the car. Really? Um, See, what I love is the perfectionist side comes out in you. And yeah. it's like, I mean, you you have, like, the same mentality as somebody who could be, like, an engineer for bands. Or, you know, you could do this stuff professionally if you really, really wanted to. I, I guess, I mean, technically, I sort of have, but I would like to do more of it. Yeah. You I know? mean, you have that. You have all that, like, I'm not going to let it go. You don't get lazy. You don't cut corners you try to figure out problems and, and move forward with it. I appreciate that. I also really want to make sure I don't get in the way of yeah. the creativity by being like, oh, no, wait, this we need to spend an hour on the bottom snare mic situation. Oh, yeah, but, but that was the nice thing. We got there early and we started setting up. And, right. uh, you know, you had met these guys.
these guys. So it was. Well, I like, know I know Charlie very Charlie. well, but I've never met Jay before. Yeah, you never met Jay, so we all got to kind of hang out and shoot the shit, which is, you know, I think an important part to recording is just the vibe of even if it's you know the band, the three guys, and the one engineer, everyone's got to be on the same page. And yeah, the same. As, as much as you want to make it sort of transactional and and uh, like work, right. which it technically is, you're in the act of creation. You're still there to you're still there to create art and yeah. and 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 so much of that is emotional and tied to your current feelings and and vibe and yeah it's that's probably the as like a sort of nihilist uh, you know n- non believer in most things that's kind of the right. hardest thing for me to. Uh, wrap my mind around but it's it is very important i recognize that i mean what what i can say so you know this band was just we're three guys who hang out we play maybe once a month and we've got like six songs maybe maybe seven i don't know we don't know yet but the point is we didn't even like have a name until the other day so like we're just messing around and then to for you to come in and like we were playing nothing changed like the vibe the temperature in the room didn't change Mm. you know what i mean i'm a sweaty man though well yeah, it was it was warm in there, but like hot blooded, hot bloods. Um, so that was kind of the thing. Like you know, there I've definitely worked with engineers before who've just they suck the funny out of the room, and you're like, come on, man. Like you know, we're all trying to. I bring the fun, eh? Bring the pain and the weed. Dad, we hire did. me. Yeah, a little bit. So I was overall a great experience. Did you? Have, so did you? I don't know. Did you have any questions, or is there anything that you yeah, want to like figure out just, about you know, the experience? I think we, we talked about a lot of it, but you know, I was going to ask like, were there any like surprise, you know, surprises that kind of took you off guard? Um, aside from like that one cable not working when we first got there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, something that you were like, or maybe something that went better than you thought it was going to go. I, I would say overall, I think it went better than I thought it was going to go. That's partially due to my generally negative nature in life. <laughs> or I, I might, I might say realistic, but yeah, you know, some would, some might disagree. Uh, I, so in general, so far I've only done kind of like about a half hour's work on each of the songs, uh, mixing them. And so far they already sound way better than I thought it was going to. Um, not because of your band, but because of just like the sort of ragtag nature of the recording in there and, and my own insecurity again, to come back to that. But I was really impressed with Jay's drumming. He did a heck of a job, especially even we weren't playing to a click and, and that can be in itself really challenging for someone playing to a click is very hard in general, but also maintaining strong tempo without one is also a challenge. Yeah. And he did a good job of that. He had good, good parts um yeah, didn't so overplay I mean, we hadn't played in since the 22nd of may which is your like, total your total pros going guess, on in yeah, there I and a uh, couple total couple two three total pros you know, are gonna make some pro stuff so it, it something must be going in the right direction but it was a lot of fun man um I'm, when are we gonna get the rest of the vocals yeah we're gonna get some vocals down and we're gonna release those we so. did aisle three or does that have a aisle different three. name yeah it's called aisle three colon clean up your dreams wow really i think we need to discuss that Colin, colon? Yeah. You don't like colon? But you say clean up your dreams a bunch of times in the song already. Well, you usually put the name of the song that are some of the lyrics sometimes in the name I of the song. I don't know. I mean, I get that. We can talk about song names if you want. <sighs> Do they even matter? No. What about like the bands that just quote uh, Wes Anderson movies well, there's for pop- the song titles? Mm. What about bands that have really long song title names like... Like, um, you think you can handle this, but you can't. And then in parentheses, it's like, and I kicked your dog out too. Right. Or you can tell that Mickey just made my list of things to do today. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I think that was a thing in like the early 2000s. That, right? was, like the emo that was an aughts thing. An aught, the oddies. The is, oddies. It, is that what they call that? Like there's the 90s and the oddies? Oh, is it? I don't know. I might have just made it up, but maybe I not. I made that up. I don't know. I, I'm not that years. clever. It's been <laughs> at least eight years since the oddies, so someone's come up with something. Or no, nine. Shit, it's 2019. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. But we got a few more to do, so I'm excited to do those tracks. And You do? Oh, yeah. vocals. Well, I was gonna say, so you're, you're going to... What, what's the plan? Are you guys going to like do anything as a band? Are you going to re- release these songs, play some shows? Well, what are you going to do? I definitely want to release the songs, yeah, yeah, digitally. I don't know if we're going to play shows or try to do anything like that, but um, it's a lot of fun, man. And hopefully it's fun for you. I mean, you get to come and, you know, work with us. Yeah, no, it was fun, dude. I, I mean, you know, it's still also like there is a work element to it. Yeah. Especially afterwards, like the mixing stuff. But it's also an exercise for me a in, in mixing, but also in having good musicians that I get to sort of experiment uh, recording engineering wise on overall it's it, I'd say it's it's definitely a win-win and then when you help me design a logo for my uh, producer website yeah you got then, it you know yeah we'll It'll just be- let's take the gear hunks logo <laughs> off of the amp and just put uh, put just put uncle hank on there we can just and, do the uh, same thing with the same h and everything exactly at gearhunks.com well i don't know dude i feel like that's the episode isn't well, that it that was it uh we covered a lot of things today i'm excited did we miss anything with the recording stuff um no i just i wanted to make sure you had a good time uh i might have some more tracks that i want to get in there and I'd do some vocals on at least oh here. well that's gonna ha- i mean we've already started should so we talk about how we it. might have a new studio soon or what do you mean oh i'm moving you're moving dude this is this I, it's, new, I mean unless this, we're gonna do it at my place this might be the last podcast in this place there's there is a chance we'll do it at the beginning of next week but this yeah. could this could be the farewell from uh I'm, i was gonna say the address i should not see the address on the internet of my Don't current say home your address uh, even though this will be out after i move six but people listen to it it's been a heck of a run over five years yeah we've done a lot of uh a lot of good good stuff in this place i'd say a lot of good stuff very recently too so that's exciting it's a you know uh growth growth and whatnot but there's even more opportunity for um being loud and making recordings in my new place so i'm excited about that can't wait man all right we'll tune in from there next time bye, bye.